السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ نحمد الکریم اما بعد فاعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم ربش رحلی صدری ویسرلی امری وحل العقدتم اللسانی یفقہ قولی ربنا زدنا علما انشاءاللہ ابواب صلاة الجماعة will begin from باب نمبر 51 باب انما جعل الامام لیؤتم به The imam is appointed in order to be followed لیؤتم لیؤتم اما یا امو is basically to follow someone so یؤتم meaning he is taken as an imam meaning he is followed so what's the role of the imam what's the purpose of having an imam just to have someone recite beautifully in prayer to lead so that means that the people who are praying behind him what should they do they have to follow him the imam is not just a person standing in the front he is actually meant to be followed and if he is not being followed then the purpose of having an imam is not being fulfilled so the purpose is the objective is now notice over here ju'ila ju'ila is from what ja'al and ja'al is to make right to appoint And remember that in the Qur'an we read this word over and over again. So for example in Surah Al-Kahf, إِنَّا جَعَلْنَا مَا عَلَى الْأَرْضِ زِينَةً لَهَا Right? And over here we see that imam is ju'ila. So there's two types of ja'al. One kind of ja'al is kawni, and the other type of ja'al is shari'i. Kawni meaning what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made. So for example the earth, He has made it as إِنَّا جَعَلْنَا مَا عَلَى الْأَرْضِ زِينَةً لَهَا Whatever is on the earth, it is Zina. And the second type of jarl is shari'i, meaning when something is made as an appointed in religion. Alright? So, what does that mean? That it has to be observed. It, that matter has to be taken seriously. So over here we see that the imam is appointed. Meaning, we must take his appointment seriously. We have to fulfill the purpose of having the imam. And what is that? That he is to be followed. And an imam, he will only be imam when two matters are fulfilled. First of all, that he is followed. So basically an imam is an imam when he is being followed. And following the imam means that performing the action right after the imam performs the action. Not along with him, not before him, and not much after him. There should not be a long you know, break in the middle. So for example, the imam is leading the people in prayer and he says the takbir in order to go down to rukur. So the people who are following him, how are they supposed to follow him? As soon as he says Allahu Akbar and he goes down into rukur, then what should the people do? Immediately go down into rukur. They should not go into rukur as soon as they hear al Because this is what happens sometimes. The imam has barely said Allahu Akbar that people are already in rukur. Or he ends the surah and he hasn't even said Allahu Akbar yet and people go down. So before the imam. Likewise, they see the imam going, people who are standing right behind the imam. He hasn't actually said Allahu Akbar and they perform the action along with him. This is also not correct. And sometimes what happens, the imam says, Allahu Akbar, he goes down into rukur, and the people are still finishing off their surah, and imam is getting up from rukur, and then they're going down into rukur. Is that following the imam? No. So remember three things over here. The action must be performed after the imam. And that means, firstly, not before. Secondly, not along with the imam. And thirdly, not much after him either. Alright? Clear? So this is what is meant by following the imam. And secondly, imam will be imam when when he is in the same time and place. In the sense that you can't have a recording on on YouTube and follow the imam of the haram. Okay? In your nafil prayer. No. Likewise, you can't have it being live streamed from the haram, let's say on your television and you're following in North America in your home. No. Uh, it has to be mubashara, meaning direct, physically there, meaning same time and same place also. So this is who an imam is and when the imam is there is leading the prayer then the people must follow him. وَصَلَّ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ فِي مَرَضِهِ And the Prophet ﷺ he prayed 
in his marad, in his illness, which illness? Alladhi tuwfiya fihi, in which he passed away. Bin nasi with the people, meaning he led the people in prayer. Wahwa jalisun, while he was sitting, and the people were praying behind him. But the Prophet ﷺ was sitting, and how were the people praying behind him? Standing. So were they following him then? Because earlier, at another occasion in his lifetime, when the Prophet ﷺ had some injury on his leg, uh, he was not able to stand and lead the people in prayer. So he was sitting down and the people were praying behind him standing. And after the prayer he told them that when the Imam is sitting, you must also sit and pray behind him in the same way. So from that, it shows that if the imam is sitting and leading the people in prayer, then the people must also do the same. And over here we see that at the end of his life, what happened? He was sitting and leading, and the rest of the people were standing. So this is understood in two ways. There is a difference of opinion concerning this matter. Some scholars, they said that if the imam is sitting and leading, then the people must also do that. They must also sit and pray behind him. Because in the majority al-imam, he has to be followed in action. Alright? And they take their dalil as the earlier occasion in the lifetime of the Prophet ﷺ. And this incident which happened at the end of his life, they said this is an exceptional case. And that's exactly why Imam Bukhari is mentioning over here. This was an exceptional case because the people had started their prayer behind who? Abu Bakr anhu. Alright? And they had started the prayer while standing. So they were to complete the prayer standing as well. Alright? Even though the Prophet ﷺ was sitting, but the people had started the prayer as standing, so this is why they would continue their prayer as they had started. But other scholars, they said that this last action of the Prophet ﷺ, this abrogated his initial instruction. So there is difference of opinion concerning this matter. Some ulama, they say that if the imam is sitting, then the people must also sit and pray behind him. And others say that no, if the imam is sitting, he has a reason behind that. Because he is ill, but the other people are not, so they are not obliged to sit down. Anyway, there is a khtilaf in this. Wallahu a'lam. وَقَالَ ibn مَسْعُودٍ Ibn Mas'ud رَضِي اللَّهُ عَنْهُ said, إِذَا رَفَعَ when he, when he gets up, قَبْلَ الْإِمَامِ Before the Imam. Who? Who gets up before the Imam? The Ma'mumin, the one who is following the Imam. What will he do? يَعُودُ He will return. فَيَمْكُثُ And then he will stay. بِقَدْرِ or as long as ma rafa'a that he had raised, he had gotten up, summayatbarul imam, then he will follow the imam. What does this mean? That if a person is praying behind the imam and out of ghafla or out of forgetfulness or misunderstanding, what happens? He gets up and he realizes that the imam is still in sajda. So for example, a person is in sajda with the imam, he thought he heard Allahu Akbar. Or, you know, some people autopilot. So as soon as he finished his adhkar, he didn't realize the imam has not said Allahu Akbar yet. He just got up. And then he realized, no, no, the rest of the people are still in sajda. I should be in sajda. So what should he do? He should ya'udu. He should return. Go back. Go back to following the imam. Alright? And Ibn Mas'ud said that he will stay in that position. How long? The amount that he missed out. So for example, the imam is in sajda still, and the ma'mum he just got up, and he got up for like, let's say two seconds, he went back immediately. So he will stay in sajda for how long? Two seconds at least. Alright? And then when the imam says, Allahu Akbar, he will follow. So let's say, he was standing for five seconds. He got up and he's like, what's going on? Why isn't everybody standing? Then he realizes the imam is still in sajda. So he goes back. But it's a long time. Now if he stays in sajda for a long time and the imam will, says Allahu Akbar, then again he's not following the imam. Correct? So what do we understand then? That he, he will return and follow the imam. So if the imam gets up after two seconds, he will get up after two seconds. If the imam gets up after ten seconds, he will get up after ten seconds. Regardless of how long he stayed, he has to now follow who? The imam. But basically, if a person accidentally goes ahead of the imam, then what's the ruling? He has to go back. So he has to return and follow the imam. Alright. وَقَالَ الْحَسَنُ And Hassan said, فِي مَنْ Concerning the one who يَرْكَعُ 
he performs rukur ma'al imami with the imam rak'atayn to rak'ah yarka'u meaning he performs two rak'ah with the imam wala yaqdiru ala sujudi and he was not able to do sajda he performed two rak'ah with the imam the ma'mum but what happened he was not able to perform the sajda why was he not able to perform sajda like for example the imam is leading the people in prayer right he goes down to sajda and the person is following him he's trying to go into sajda but sometimes it happens that a person is he's got you know a physical illness or something and because of that he just gets stuck somewhere in the middle not able to go forwards not able to stand back up so the person just sits down and by the time he sits down what happens is the imam is already up from sajda so did he not miss a sajda he missed a sajda you understand likewise the imam went into sajda and the person is just standing there ghafil it may happen he doesn't realize and then when he hears a loud allahu akbar he realizes everybody's getting up from sajda where was he completely missed it all right likewise sometimes it may happen that there's so many people so many people that you're trying to go into sajda but there's literally no room and by the time you squeeze yourself somewhere down what happens is the imam is already up now should you go into sajda or should you follow the imam there's a problem over here so in this process what happens a person's sajda gets missed completely now if he did not perform sajda is his salah going to be valid it, i mean his rak'ah is not complete so now what should he do should he forget about following the imam and make his sajda and then quickly catch up with the imam no what will he do he will yasjudu lirak'atil akhirati sajdatain for the last rak'ah this person will perform the two sajda thumma yaqdi ar-rak'ata al-ula bi sujudiha then he will com- complete the first rak'ah with with its sajda in other words what he will do is that he has to continue to follow the imam even if he has missed a rukun of salah what will he do continue to follow the imam and then when the imam ends the prayer then what will this person do get up and make up whatever he has missed what does this show how important it is to follow the imam you forgot you were out of it you didn't get a chance you missed something for whatever reason you still have to follow the imam and whatever you've missed make it up after yeah, obviously وَفِي مَنْ نَسِيَ سَجْدَةً حَتَّى قَامَ يَسْجُدُ وَفِي مَنْ And concerning the one who نَسِيَ سَجْدَةً Forgot a sajda حَتَّى قَامَ Until he stood Then what will he do? يَسْجُدُ He will have to do his sajda So for example uh, After the imam uh, Got up from sajda The ma'am also got up from sajda Alright Between the two sajdas He's sitting behind the imam and imam says allahu akbar to go back into the second sajda and this person gets up stands up okay so in a way he forgot the sajda all right and he forgot it until when hatta qama when he stood up he realized i forgot to do my sajda behind the imam so then what will he do yes judu he will do sajda meaning he will return and do sajda same thing he will follow the imam Right, and this is obviously when the imam is in sajda. But if the imam has already gotten up, you understand. If the imam has already gotten up from the sajda and has started the second rakara, and then a person realizes, I didn't perform my second sajda. Now, what is he going to do? He is going to end the prayer and then make up whatever he missed. So, basically, from all of these statements that are mentioned over here, what do we understand? That if for whatever reason a person misses out on rukur on sajda on a major rukun of salah then and if he's able to join the imam he will go back immediately and start to follow the imam but if it's too late if it's too late and when is it too late when the imam has already performed that rukun then what is he going to do he'll have to wait until the end of the prayer he's not going to put on hold the prayer of the imam and complete his prayer in the middle no he he can't do that he has to follow the imam so essentially what is it that we learn the importance of 
following the imam. You miss something, go back and follow the imam immediately. If it's too late, continue to follow the imam and make up whatever you've missed afterwards. حدثنا أحمد بن يونس قال حدثنا زائدة عن موسى بن أبي عائشة عن عبيد الله بن عبد الله بن عتبة قال دخلت على عائشة فقلت ألا تحدثيني عن مرض رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم He said I came to Aisha radhiallahu anha and asked her Could you please tell me about the illness of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and which illness in which he passed away قالت بلا She said of course ثقل النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم he fell ill and ثقل means to feel heavy so it really weighed down on him فقال so he said أصل الناس have the people prayed قلنا لا we said no هم ينتظرونك they are waiting for you قال he said ضعوا لي ماء في المخطب put water for me in the container قالت ففعلنا so we did it فاغتسل then he washed up فذهب لينوء فأغمي عليه so what happened he 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 tried to get up after washing up he tried to get up but what happened فأغمي عليه he passed out he fell unconscious meaning he was not able to proceed and this is after washing up after اغتسل ثم أفاق then after some time what happened أفاق he regained consciousness فقال صلى الله عليه وسلم أصل الناس he asked when he got up have the people prayed قلنا لا هم ينتظرونك يا رسول الله we said no they're waiting for you O messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم قال ضعوا لي ماء في المقطب again he asked put water for me in a container قالت فقعد فاغتسل then again he got up and he he sat down and he washed himself ثم ذهب لينوء فأغمي عليه he tried to get up but then again he was overcome by faintness ثم أفاق فقال then when he regained consciousness again he said أصل الناس have the people prayed قلنا لا هم ينتظرونك يا رسول الله no they're still waiting for you فقال ضعوا لي ماء في المخطب Put water for me in the container. فقعد فاغتسل ثم ذهب لينوء فأغمي عليه. Again, he washed up, tried to get up, but he fell unconscious again. ثم أفاق فقال أصل الناس. Again, when he regained consciousness, he asked, have the people prayed? فقلنا لا هم ينتظرونك يا رسول الله. They're waiting for you. وَالنَّاسُ عُكُوفٌ فِي الْمَسْجِدِ And the people were ukuf in the masjid. Ukuf is from? I'tikaf is also from the same root, right? And what does it mean? To just stay in the masjid. So they were just waiting in the masjid, not going away, waiting patiently. عُكُوفٌ فِي الْمَسْجِدِ يَنْتَظِرُونَ النَّبِيَ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ They were waiting for the Prophet ﷺ لِصَلَاةِ الْعِشَاءِ الْآخِرَةِ Waiting for the prayer of Isha. Al-Akhir, the last one meaning the last one of the day. فَأَرْسَلَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمَ إِلَىٰ أَبِي بَكْرٍ بِأَنْ يُصَلِّيَ بِالنَّاسِ So he sent word to Abu Bakr that he should lead the people in prayer. فَأَتَاهُ الرَّسُولُ فَقَالَ So الرَّسُولُ over here means the messenger of the Prophet ﷺ meaning the one with whom he sent a message to him. So he said, إِنَّ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمْ يَأْمُرُكَ أَن تُصَلِّيَ بِالنَّاسِ He said, O Abu Bakr, the Prophet ﷺ wants you to lead the people in prayer. فَقَالَ أَبُو بَكْرٍ وَكَانَ رَجُلًا رَقِيقًا Abu Bakr said, and he was a very soft-hearted man, يَا عُمَرَ صَلِّ بِالنَّاسِ Abu Bakr said to Umar you lead the people in prayer. فَقَالَ لَهُ عُمَرُ أَنْتَ أَحَقُّ بِذَلِكَ Umar said, no, you are more deserving of this. فَصَلَّى أَبُو بَكْرٍ تِلْكَ الْأَيَّامِ So you see over here what's happening. The other narrations we learned that the Prophet ﷺ, he said, tell Abu Bakr, but Aisha anha, she tried to prevent that from happening because she knew that how her father was. And we see that Abu Bakr anhu on, on the other hand also was quite hesitant. But whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants, it ultimately happens. So then what happened? فَصَلَّى أَبُو بَكْرٍ تِلْكَ الْأَيَّامِ Abu Bakr anhu, he led the people in prayer all these days. Meaning, whenever the Prophet ﷺ was not able to come to the masjid and lead the people, 
who would be the imam? Abu Bakr for every prayer. ثُمَّ إِنَّ النَّبِيَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمْ وَجَدَ مِن نَفْسِهِ خِفَّةً So then one day, he found in himself خِفَّةً lightness, uh, meaning he found in himself, in himself some strength. فَخَرَجَ بَيْنَ رَجُلَيْنِ أَحَدُهُمَ الْعَبَّاسِ لِصَلَاةِ الظُّهْرِ So for Salat al-Zuhr, what happened? The Prophet ﷺ came between two men, meaning taking their help, and one of those two men was who? Who was he? No, no, one of them was who? What's mentioned over here? Al-Abbas. Abbas fadullahu anhu. Wa Abu Bakrin yusalli bin nas. And Abu Bakr was leading the people in prayer. Falamma ra'ahu Abu Bakrin dhahaba liyata'akhara. Abu Bakr, when he saw the Prophet ﷺ coming, dhahaba liyata'akhara, he wanted to move back. Fa'awma'a ilayhi nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bi'alla yata'akhara. The Prophet ﷺ gestured to him that no, don't do that, stay where you are. Qala ajlisani ila jambihi. And he said, make me sit next to Abu Bakr. Fa'ajlasahu ila jambi Abu Bakrin. So the two men, they helped the Prophet ﷺ sit next to Abu Bakr. Qala faj'ala Abu Bakrin yusalli wa huwa ya'tamu bi salati nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So Abu Bakr, he continued with his prayer, but he was following the salah of who? The Prophet ﷺ. وَالنَّاسُ بِصَلَاةِ أَبِي بَكْرٍ And the people were following the prayer of Abu Bakr. وَالنَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ قَاعِدٌ And the Prophet ﷺ was sitting. قَالَ عُبَيْدُ اللَّهِ فَدَخَلْتُ عَلَىٰ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ بْنِ عَبَّاسٍ فَقُلْتُ لَهُ So Ubaidullah said, I came to Abdullah ibn Abbas and I said to him, أَلَا أَعْرِضُ عَلَيْكَ مَا حَدَّثَتْنِي عَائِشَةُ Should I tell you about what Aisha radiallahu told me عن مرض النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم about the disease, the illness of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم قال هاتي He said, sure, come, meaning tell me. فَعْرَضْتُ عَلَيْهِ حَدِيثَهَا So he said, I told Ibn Abbas about what Aisha had told me. فَمَا أَنْكَرَ مِنْهُ شَيْئًا So he did not reject Anything from it, meaning he confirmed it that yes, what Aisha has told you is absolutely true. غير أنه قال أسمت لك الرجل الذي كان مع العباسي. Did she tell you about the name of the man who was with Abbas taking the Prophet ﷺ to the masjid? قلت لا. He said no. قاله علي. He said that was علي رضي الله عنه. So anyway, in this hadith we see that the Prophet ﷺ, he was the Imam. Over here when he joined the people in prayer And Abu Bakr followed the Prophet ﷺ And the people followed who? Abu Bakr So the Imam is appointed why? In order to be followed And if the Imam is not being followed Then that defeats the purpose of Defeats the purpose of having the Imam Right? Then we also see over here that An amazing thing about the companions That they waited in the masjid for so long Rukuf. They didn't just go home and they didn't say, oh well, the Prophet ﷺ is not feeling well, so somebody, you know, just lead the people in prayer. They didn't just appoint an imam from amongst themselves. They waited for the Prophet ﷺ. And it took so long. Just imagine this whole incident that's described over here. It must have taken at least an hour, if not more. The patience of the people, how they're waiting patiently. And imagine what they must be going through also, knowing that the Prophet ﷺ is unwell, and that he has fainted so many times. And it also shows that how the Prophet ﷺ was so conscious about the prayer. Exactly. Every time he regained consciousness, this was his question. Have the people prayed? They're waiting for me? Okay, get water. Try to wash himself up. And get up in order to go. But he didn't have the strength. The, the life of the Prophet ﷺ is an example for us. You see that even the last moments of the Prophet ﷺ, the last days, he's concerned about the people. Have they prayed? They must be waiting for me. And what happens if we have an appointment somewhere, somebody's waiting for us and we are ill or something, we don't even show up. Or we don't even inform the other person. Or we don't care about them. His concern for the people that he was not focused on himself and his pain and his illness, but he was concerned about the people. That when a person is sick, every time they gain some consciousness or some strength, they ask about, did anyone call? Did anyone come to visit me? Who is thinking about me? And we see over here that the Prophet ﷺ, he was thinking about others. And we see Umar ﷺ the same thing. When he was stabbed in the masjid, he was also concerned about the well-being of people and the salah of the people. Right? And we see this 
that this message that the Sahaba understood very clearly, the importance of prayer. And we see over here that the companions didn't just appoint an imam by themselves. They knew that the Prophet ﷺ was there. We see that at another occasion he was traveling. He was not in Medina. And that is the reason why the Mu'addin asked Abu Bakr anhu to lead the people. But over here we see the Prophet ﷺ was present. Right? But he was unwell. So they didn't appoint an imam from among themselves. And this teaches us an important you know, guidance with regards to a particular matter, which is that the appointed imam, when he does not come for the prayer, in the sense that the time for the prayer has entered, everybody has gathered, and the imam knows he should be present, but he is not there. So what should the people do? What should the people do? Okay, they wait for him. Let's say they've waited for half an hour. Should they keep waiting? What should they do? You see, there's different uh, situations. One is that, let's say the imam has informed the congregation that if ever I am not able to make it, then such and such person should lead the people in prayer. Right? And, and typically this happens, that any person in authority, he makes it clear to the rest of the people that if ever I am not able to make it, then he is the go-to person. He is going to lead the people. Alright? So, إِذِن maqal. If he has said it verbally, very clearly, he has given this instruction that such and such should be the imam, then what will happen when the imam does not show up? That person will? What will he do? He will step up and lead the people in prayer. Okay. But let's say he has not appointed anyone. You understand? He has not appointed anyone. That in my absence, this person should be the imam. Then what should they do? If the people know that the imam will not mind if we appoint so and so as the imam, that such and such person leads the people in prayer, then what will they do? That person, they will ask him to lead them. Because they know that the imam will not have any objection towards this. This is what? Ibn bil hal. They know that the imam will not have a problem if his son leads the people in prayer. Alright? But let's say there is no ibn. Meaning, neither with hal nor with maqal. In the sense that he has never said explicitly as to who should lead the people in prayer. And they have a feeling that the imam is quite possessive about his role. And it happens. Alright? He's quite strict about it. He doesn't just let anybody, uh, you know, come forward and lead the people in prayer. So then what will they do? They will wait for him and they will call him if they know where he is. And uh, if he's not able to make it, then he, they, they will take his permission. Okay? But if, let's say, he is far, they can't find him. They cannot get in touch with him. And they have a feeling that if he finds out that somebody else led the people in prayer, he's going to be upset. So then what are they going to do? The prayer is getting delayed. But the imam is not coming. They can't find him. They can't get in touch with him or he's too far. Then in that situation, somebody will be appointed in order to lead the people in prayer because this is a necessity. So you understand? If the imam has appointed someone, he will get up and lead the people in prayer. If the imam has not appointed someone, but it is clear that he will not mind, then... The, the person will come and lead the people in prayer. If neither of these options are there, then they have to wait. But if waiting is a problem, then just anybody will come because this is a darura. You might think that, oh, the imam is taking the salah very casually. He should be there on time. It's his responsibility. People are waiting for him. The fact is that the imam is who, generally? Someone who has knowledge, Right? Who's like a, 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 you know, a figurehead. So people, uh, they need him. And which is why the imam is usually quite busy. And sometimes he's engaged in very urgent matters that require his attention. And, uh, it, and because of that, people's salah might get delayed for some time. Right? So the people must have patience towards the imam. Now we see that once the Prophet ﷺ, he got up in order to lead the people in prayer. And what happened? A man, pulled him aside and started talking to him. Remember? Started talking to him. And the people are waiting and waiting. And some people even fell asleep. And this happened not once, but multiple times in the lifetime of the Prophet ﷺ. And we really need to appreciate the effort of the imam. Sometimes it happens that the imam is on his way, 
but a phone call and somebody is going through a divorce you know or something very serious is happening in their life and they need urgent answers now if the imam says no no wait for 15 minutes i'll call you back it might be too late right or the other person is so distressed and the imam says well i know you're very upset and you're crying right now but i'm busy he can't do that so what do we learn over here that the people first of all must have patience and wait for the imam and if the imam sees that this is something regular this is something that is happening quite often and the people are getting affected then he should appoint someone who can give the adhan who can lead the people in prayer in his absence and this is exactly what the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam did that when he was not able to make it and the people were waiting for so long he didn't have them wait for the whole night he sent word to abu bakr that you lead the people in prayer because salah is an example for us right it's an example for us so this teaches us that if a person is the in charge of a particular matter then they have to be consulted with regards to that matter i mean you can't just take things in your hand and say oh well they're not here so i'm just going to make a decision myself you can't do that if they're the person in authority you cannot make a decision yourself until you have consulted them all right and if you know that they will not have a problem with you consulting somebody else for that issue in their absence then go ahead and do it but if you know that this is not acceptable then you cannot go ahead except with their permission all right and it also shows that if there is a person in authority and they're not able to make themselves available to the people uh when the people need them then they must make it clear to the people as to who they should go to in times of need meaning roles should be clearly uh, you know uh, put before others so that people are not in confusion حدثنا عبد الله بن يوسف قال اخبرنا مالك عن هشام بن عروه عن ابيه عن عائشه ام المؤمنين انها قالت صلى رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم في بيته وهو شاك the prophet sallallahu performed the prayer in his house while he was sick he was unwell فصلى جالسا so he prayed sitting وصلى وراءه قوم قياما and the people prayed behind him how standing so he was sitting and they were standing فَأَشَارَ إِلَيْهِمْ أَنِجْلِسُوا So he gestured toward them that, sit down, because I'm sitting, so you should also be sitting. فَلَمَّا صَرَفَ Then when he ended the prayer, قَالَ He said, إِنَّمَا جُعِلَ الْإِمَامِ لِيُؤْتَمَّ بِهِ The imam is appointed in order to be followed. فَإِذَا رَقَعَ فَرْكَعُوا وَإِذَا رَفَعَ فَرْفَعُوا Then when he goes into rukur, then you go into rukur. And when he gets up, then you should get up. وَإِذَا صَلَّ جَالِسًا then you should also pray sitting. Now, we discussed this earlier, that this happened at earlier in the life of the Prophet ﷺ. But his last action was what? That he prayed sitting while the people were standing. And I mentioned to you the ikhtilaf that exists among the scholars. حدثنا عبد الله بن يوسف قال أخبرنا مالك عن ابن شهاب عن أنس بن مالك أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ركب فرسا. The Prophet ﷺ, he uh, sat on a horse and what happened? فَصُرِعَ عَنْهُ He fell off from it. فَجُحِشَ شِقْقُهُ الْأَيْمَنِ And his right side was uh, grazed, meaning the skin was wounded. فَصَلَّى صَلَاةً مِنَ الصَّلَوَاتِ وَهُوَ قَاعِدٌ Then he prayed one of the prayers while he was sitting. فَصَلَّيْنَا وَرَاءَهُ قُعُودًا And we prayed behind him sitting also. فَلَمَّا انصَرَفَ قَالْ when he ended the prayer, he said, "Inna ma imam The imam is appointed in order to be followed. فَإِذَا صَلَّى قَائِمًا فَصَلُّ قِيَامًا When he prays standing, then you should also pray standing behind him. فَإِذَا رَكَعَ فَرْكَعُ When he goes into rukur, then you do rukur. وَإِذَا رَفَعَ فَرْفَعُ When he gets up from rukur or sajda, then you should get up. وَإِذَا قَالَ سَمِعَ اللَّهُ لِمَنْ حَمِدَهُ فَقُولُ رَبَّنَا وَلَكَ الْحَمْدُ Meaning, in actions and in words. We should follow the imam. Not that the imam is still saying Allahu Akbar and we go into sajda and we start saying Subhanahu Rabbil A'la, Subhanahu Rabbil A'la. Let the imam finish what he's saying. Alright? Likewise, in, in Surah Al-Fatiha, what happens? The imam has not even said Ameen yet. That the people start saying Ameen. Alright? And in hadith, what do we learn? When the imam says Ameen, then say Ameen. Right? Because imam has to be followed. 
in words and in actions. So when he finishes saying, سَمِعَ اللَّهُ لِمَنْ حَمِدَ Then you should say, رَبَّنَا وَلَكَ الْحَمْدُ وَإِذَا صَلَّ قَائِمًا فَصَلُّ قِيَامًا وَإِذَا صَلَّ جَالِسًا فَصَلُّ جُلُوسًا أَجْمَعُونَ If he prays while standing, then you should also pray standing. And if he prays while sitting, then you should all sit down as well. قَالَ أَبُوْ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ أَبُوْ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ meaning Bukhari, he said, قَالَ الْحُمَيْدِيُّ Humaydi, his teacher, he said, قَوْلُهُ إِذَا صَلَّ جَالِسًا فَصَلُّ جُلُوسًا The statement of the Prophet ﷺ, when the imam sits uh, and prays, then you should also sit down. هُوَ فِي مَرَضِهِ الْقَدِيمِ Al-Humaydi, he explained that this was when? فِي مَرَضِهِ الْقَدِيمِ This was in his earlier illness. ثُمَّ صَلَّ بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمَ جَالِسًا Then after that, in the end of his life, what happened? He prayed sitting وَالنَّاسُ خَلْفَهُ قِيَامًا And the people were standing behind him. لَمْ يَأْمُرْهُمْ بِالْقُعُودِ At that occasion, the Prophet ﷺ did not instruct the people to sit down. وَإِنَّمَا يُؤْخَذُ بِالْآخِرِ He said that the ruling will be taken from what? From the last action of the Prophet ﷺ. فَالْآخِرِ مِنْ فِعْلِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وسلم. And that is from the action of the Prophet ﷺ. So they said that the last action has to be followed. Bab Mata Yasjudu Man Khalfal Imam. Now, this is clear that you have to follow the Imam. But now the question is that when exactly? So for example, the Imam goes into Sajda. When are you supposed to go down into Sajda? Mata Yasjudu. When should he go into Sajda? Who? Man Khalfal Imam, the one who is behind the Imam. Because you see, uh, many times it happens you're standing behind the Imam. He says, Allahu Akbar. So should you start going down into sajda as soon as you hear him saying, Allah, right? Or should you wait for him to complete his statement, Allahu Akbar, and then go into sajda? You understand? And uh, how long should you wait? So this is a matter of confusion because you don't want to go into sajda before the imam. You have to follow him. So when exactly do you do that? قَالَ أَنَسٌ أَنَسَضُلَوْ عَنْهُ He said, فَإِذَا سَجَدَ When he does sajda, فَسْجُدُوا Then go into sajda. What does this mean? That when the imam goes down into sajda, in other words, we have to follow the action, not the word over here. What's the word? Allahu Akbar. What's the action? Going down into sajda. Okay? So when the imam sajda, Meaning, wasala ila sujud. He has gone down onto the ground, and he has gone down into sajda. You understand? Not that he is on his way down. You see, when from uh, from standing position to sajda, okay, the imam says Allahu Akbar, and then he starts going down. Then he reaches the ground, and then he puts his head on the ground. So then he has reached the sajda. When are you supposed to do it? When he reaches the ground and he has begun his sajda. Sajda begins from when? When you start going down? No. It begins from when? When you go into the position of sajda. Okay? So when the imam goes into the position of sajda, when he wasala ila sujood, then you begin going down. Not when he begins, but when he is in sajda. Good question. This is only possible when a person is behind the imam, can see the imam. What if a person is standing in the third, fourth row, or it's the women? Then in that case, what will happen? You can't see the action. Then when you cannot see the action, then you have to follow the word. And when will you follow the word? When he has completed saying, Allahu Akbar. It happens that, for example, the imam says, Allahu Akbar, and as he's saying Allahu Akbar, he is going down. But by the time that he ends saying Allahu Akbar, you will assume that he is in the position of sajda. They go very quickly. So the imam should be considered over here also in the sense that when he knows that there is a big congregation behind him and people cannot see him, then he should say Allahu Akbar when when he's almost halfway down so that people don't end up in sajda before him by accident. Then you wait until they finish saying Allahu Akbar, even if it takes five, eight seconds. You wait until they're done saying, then you will start your action. Okay, because it's a very serious matter. Doing sajda before the imam, 
is quite serious. حدثنا مسدد قال حدثنا يحيى بن سعيد عن سفيان قال حدثني أبو إسحاق قال حدثني عبد الله بن يزيد قال حدثني البراء وهو غير كذوب. He said and he is غير كذوب. What does غير mean? He is not كذوب. A liar. He is not a liar. Meaning he is truthful in this narration. He was not lying when he said that. And who? براء. براء بن عازب. Companion of the Prophet ﷺ. So remember that the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, they did not lie. So whatever they said about the Prophet ﷺ, about the religion, we have to accept it. وَهُوَ غَيْرُ كَذُوبُ قَالَ كَانَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمْ إِذَا قَالَ سَمِعَ اللَّهُ لِمَنْ حَمِدَهُ When he would say, سَمِعَ اللَّهُ لِمَنْ حَمِدَهُ لَمْ يَحْنِ أَحَدٌ مِنَّا ظَهْرَهُ لَمْ يَحْنِ He would not bend. أَحَدٌ anyone مِنَّا from us. ظَهْرَهُ his back. So the Prophet ﷺ is saying, سَمِعَ اللَّهُ لِمَنْ حَمِدَهُ This is when. When? When getting up from Rukur. Right? So he said, none of us w- would bend his back. In other words, Samir Allahu liman hamida. And then after that, what does the Imam do? He says, Allahu Akbar and goes into sajda. Right? So basically he's talking about the getting up from Rukur and then going into sajda. He said that none of us would bend his back hatta yaqa'an nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sajidan. Until the Prophet ﷺ would have gone into sajda. So in other words, when he said, Samir Allah liman hamida, got up from rukur, alright, and then it's understood that in order to go into sajda, what would he say? Allahu Akbar. None of us would bend his back even until the Prophet ﷺ had gone into prostration completely. You understand? So when the Prophet ﷺ went into prostration completely, then they would bend their back in order to go down into sajda. So what does it show? We cannot start going down into sajda until the imam is in sajda. You understand? Until the imam is in sajda, we cannot begin to go down into sajda. ثُمَّ نَقَعُ سُجُودًا بَعْدَهُ Then we would go into sajda when? بَعْدَهُ After him. Clear? So what does this show? That whether it is going to sajda or it is any other action of prayer, when is a person to follow the imam? When? When the imam is not starts going into action, but he begins that action, in the action. Okay? Because there is a lot of transition in prayer, right? Getting up, going down. So, Remember the statement. لَمْ يَحْنِ أَحَدٌ مِنَّا ظَهْرَهُ حَتَّى يَقْعَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ سَاجِدًا When he would be in prostration completely, then we would begin going down. حدثنا أبو نعيم عن سفيان عن أبي إسحاق نحوه بهذا باب إثم من رفع رأسه قبل الإمام The sin of the one who raises his head قبل الإمام before the Imam. Meaning from the sajda. He gets up from sajda before the imam. He goes into sajda before the imam. In other words, he's not really following the imam. Okay? He's just, you know, trying to get ahead of the imam. He, he's not giving any importance to the imam. This is why he's disregarding whether the imam has done something or not yet. So is this a sin? Yes, it's a sin. Ism. It's a sin. Why? Because the Prophet ﷺ warned of the punishment for this. And remember that when there is a punishment mentioned for an action, then that action is what? What kind of a sin is it? It's a major sin. What are the signs of a major sin? That there is punishment for it or a threat of punishment where in the hereafter. Right? So it is a sin because the Prophet ﷺ warned against it with a possible punishment. حدثنا حجاج بن منهال قال حدثنا شعبة عن محمد بن زياد سمعت أبا هريرة عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said أما يخشى أحدكم Doesn't he fear أحدكم one of you أو لا يخشى أحدكم 
such people fear, don't they have any fear? إِذَا رَفَعَ رَأْسَهُ قَبْلَ الْإِمَامِ When he raises his head before the imam, أَنْ يَجْعَلَ اللَّهُ رَأْسَهُ رَأْسَ حِمَارٍ That Allah will make his head like that of a donkey? أَوْ يَجْعَلَ اللَّهُ صُورَتَهُ صُورَةَ حِمَارٍ Or that Allah will make his appearance like that of a donkey? Doesn't he have fear of Allah when he is getting up before the imam, trying to get ahead of the imam, that Allah will make his head like that of a donkey or his entire appearance like that of a donkey? So this is a possible punishment. So what does it show? That it's a sin to disregard the imam. Now if it happens by accident, forgetfulness, we learned about that earlier. That's a different case. Right? That a person, he will immediately go back and follow the imam. But this is doing so deliberately. Disregarding the imam. So, in this case, remember this is a sin, and this is something very serious. And notice over here, that the punishment that is mentioned is what? Being made like a donkey. Why? Why a donkey? If you think about it, why a donkey? What does a donkey signify? What? Stupidity. Right? That he's not using his mind basically. He's, and, and this is what happens that a person thinks, well, you know what, quickly, quickly, as if they're trying to rush the imam by moving quickly. But this is not intelligence. This is foolishness. Rushing through the prayer in this manner and disregarding the imam completely. Following the imam, following the imam means, remember those three things that you, don't perform the action before the imam because that's a major sin. Yeah. You don't perform the action along with the imam and you don't perform the action much after the imam either. It should be immediately after. Otherwise you're not following. So sometimes it happens that a person is busy making their own du'as uh, and good, but it should not be in disregard to following the imam. You can make your du'as afterwards. Like for example, in tashahud you are saying your dua. Okay? And there's literally, you know, half a sentence left. So you can complete that and then say the salam. But if there's still, you know, one or two duas that you usually say, don't start saying those because that will take more time. You see, if Surah Al-Fatiha is not finished, if you can quickly finish, go ahead. But again, if you're still in the first ayah or something, then you don't have much time. Bab Imamati al Abdi wal Mawla. The Imamah of an Abd and a Mawla. Who is an Abd? A slave. Right? Mamluk. And Mawla? A freed slave. He is a free person, but he was previously a slave. So there is similarity, but yet a difference. وَكَانَتْ عَائِشَةُ So, imama of such a person, meaning, can a slave lead free people in salah? And someone who was previously a slave, now he is freed, but yet his status is not like that of the rest of the people. Uh, unfortunately. But this is the reality, that this is how people treat others, based on how their past was. So, can such a person be the imam of others? Can he lead them? Islamically, is that okay? وَكَانَتْ عَائِشَةُ يَأُمُّهَا عَبْدُهَا ذَكْوَان عَائِشَ رَضُلَوْ عَنْهَا Her slave, the Quan, would lead her in prayer. من المصحف From the Mus'haf. عَائِشَ رَضُلَوْ عَنْهَا Slave, his name was the Quan. He would lead the Salah and who would be praying after him? عَائِشَ رَضُلَوْ عَنْهَا Alright? And he's a slave and she's a free woman. She's the owner. Alright? And he is reading the Qur'an from where? From the Mus'haf. Not from his memory, but from the Mus'haf. So this shows us a couple of things. Firstly, the fact that a slave can lead free people in prayer. Even his owners. Okay? Secondly, we see that if a slave can lead people in prayer, then a freed slave, for sure he can. Okay? Because if you think about it, his status is slightly higher than that of a slave. Thirdly, we see from this that the imam, he can read from the mushaf in order to lead the people in prayer. There's 
no harm in that. Okay? But obviously, uh, we know that the person who is most well-versed in the Qur'an, he should be the imam. Correct? So when there are people uh, in the congregation who know the Qur'an by heart, then they are more deserving of leading. Alright? But if let's say, there's nobody who knows much Qur'an, and it's the month of Ramadan, for instance. There's a group of people, let's say, uh, you know, students living in, uh, in, in, a, in a hostel or something, and there's no masjid nearby, and they want to pray taraweeh together, and none of them is hafil, but one of them, he knows more compared to the others, and his recitation is better. So can he open the mushaf and read from it and lead others in prayer? Yes, he can do that. There is no harm in it. Okay? So the imam can read from the mushaf. And if the imam can read from the mushaf, uh, then that means that a, that a person can also read himself. Do you understand? So for example, if a person is praying themselves, so for instance, uh, you want to pray tahajjud, and you don't know certain surahs of the Qur'an, and you want to recite them in prayer. Can you read from the Mus'haf? Yes, because if you can lead others like that, that means you can lead yourself also. You understand? وَوَلَدِ And the son of a baghi. Who is baghi? A prostitute. In other words, uh, someone who is born of zina, then can they be the imam? وَالْأَعْرَابِيِّ and Arabi, who is Arabi? A Bedouin. Meaning a Bedouin can, if let's say he comes to a city, can he lead the people of the city in prayer? This doesn't mean that there is a bias against the Bedouins. This just means that he is not a resident of that town. Alright? So if he is in town, he knows more Quran, can he lead the people in prayer? Walghulam. And the boy, الَّذِي لَمْ يَحْتَلِمْ Who has not yet reached the age of puberty. Imam Bukhari says, all of them can. Why? لِقَوْلِ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ يَأُمُّهُمْ أَقْرَأُهُمْ لِكِتَابِ اللَّهِ Who's going to lead the people in prayer? أَقْرَأُهُمْ لِكِتَابِ اللَّهِ The one who is most well-versed in the Qur'an. Meaning the one who knows more Qur'an. So if there happens to be a, a man who is of illegitimate birth, and, if, and he knows the Qur'an, and there are other people who are better in their um, lineage, uh, can he lead them in prayer? Yes, he can, because he knows the Qur'an. On the other hand, again, Arabi, someone who is visiting from outside, can he lead the residents when he knows more Qur'an? Yes. And a child, can he lead the people in prayer if he knows more Qur'an? Then the adults, yes, he can. He can. And what's the evidence? Just this one statement. What qualifies a person as imam is what? His knowledge of the book of Allah. Not his lineage, not his age, not his social status, and not his, uh, not the fact that he is a traveler or what. And we have learned about the details of all of these matters that there also has to be some fadl, right? Then likewise, uh, a traveler, when he's leading the people in prayer, then it has to be with idhn, right? With permission of the imam. So there are other conditions, but in general, what do we see? That what qualifies a person as imam is what? His knowledge of the Qur'an. And with regards to a child in particular, can he lead older people in prayer? And especially what is mentioned over here is الَّذِي لَمْ يَحْتَلِمْ The one who has not yet reached the age of puberty. Now there is considerable difference of opinion concerning this matter. But many of the scholars, their opinion is that he can, as long as he knows more Qur'an, and he fulfills the conditions and obligations of the prayer. Meaning he also knows about the prayer, the conditions of the prayer. Not that there is a child who doesn't even understand you know the proper way of tahara and just because he knows more quran he is leading the people in prayer uh if he breaks his wudu during the prayer uh, then how is he leading the people in prayer you understand so as long as he has this sense right that he knows what is allowed in salah what is not allowed in salah uh, he can fulfill the conditions of prayer then he can lead the people in prayer and the evidence for that is 
First of all, this Dalil. He knows more Quran than the rest of the people. He is the Hafiz and the other people, they don't know the Quran and it's possible in many places. And secondly, there is another Dalil which we learn in Sahih Bukhari, a hadith, Amr bin Salima, he said that my father came from the Prophet ﷺ and said that he had heard the Prophet ﷺ say, offer such and such prayer at such and such time, and when the time for the prayer becomes due, then one of you should pronounce the adhan and let the one amongst you who knows Qur'an most, he should lead the prayer. We learned this hadith earlier, right? But in uh, the Kitab of Maghazi, Imam Bukhari mentions the entire version, the hadith continues that, when this companion, when he came to his people, uh, they looked for such a person, that who knows more Qur'an, and found none who knew more Qur'an than myself. Because of the Qur'anic material which I used to learn from the caravans, meaning the travelers who would pass by, this boy, Amr bin Salima, what would he do? He would go and learn Qur'an from them. Travelers who were coming from Medina, from the Prophet ﷺ, he would just go and learn Qur'an from them. So he knew most. So the people therefore made me their imam to lead the prayer, and at that time I was a boy of six or seven years. He was the age of six or seven. And he said that I would be wearing a burda, a, a small square garment, which was very short for me. So short that when he would go into sajda, uh, his uh, back would be exposed and his private part even would be exposed because he was a child. Right? And so one day, a woman who was praying behind him, she got very upset and she said, won't you cover the private part of this reciter for us? I mean, he's our imam. Come on, people, do something. So then they got together and they bought a piece of cloth and made a shirt for him shirt for him and they gave it to him and he said I had never been so happy with anything before as I was with that shirt something that covered him properly but anyway we see that this happened in the lifetime of the Prophet alright and the Sahabi was only 6 or 7 years old but because he knew more Quran than the rest of the people he was leading the people in prayer of course um, I mean the basic thing is knowing the Quran meaning the verses the memorization part but if there is another person who has more understanding, then obviously with knowledge and understanding, their status will be higher. You see, the fact that the Prophet ﷺ, he allowed that Abu Bakr should carry on the prayer and he was going to follow him in salah, what does that show? That it's okay if it happens once in a while, but the regular appointed imam should be who? The one who knows more. But... You know, one prayer a week, two salawats, you know, here and there, that is a different situation. So for example, in Ramadan it happens that the regular imam, he leads the fard, he leads the taraweeh, but when it comes to qiyamul layl, then they let the hufaz, the young hufaz who are still memorizing, they let them have a chance because it's it's a part of training for them, it's an experience for them. So they're not the regularly appointed imam, but they're having a chance here and there just to get that practice and confidence and that training. Okay. There is difference of opinion concerning this matter. Some scholars do allow it and others say that no, this is going to distract a person from the prayer because what is better in the prayer? That you should be looking at the place of sajda. But if you're looking at the mushaf and you're looking for the right page and then obviously... Um, you end up going to the next line and the third line and then you're looking above and below... Uh, how, how can you follow the imam over there? It's going to be challenging. So it's better that such reading is done separately. And in salah, focus should be on listening to the imam. No khushu. You know, I, I myself, I, I tried it, uh, looking at the mushaf, but I would be so scared that I, I'm going ahead of the imam. Exactly. And then there's an issue that when you're going down into rukur, into sajda, where to put the Qur'an? Some people put it on the ground, some people put it under their arm or something. The Qur'an is also disrespected, so it's better to focus on listening entirely at that time. Train yourself to listen, right, and develop focus when you're listening to the imam. When you're reciting outside of the salah, listening to someone recite the Qur'an, then obviously it's helpful. But in the prayer, it will definitely distract you from the prayer if you have a mushaf open in front of you. 
But he's reciting. There is a reason over there for him to look at the Mus'haf. Because if he doesn't look at the Mus'haf, how will he recite? Right? You don't need to look at the Mus'haf in order to listen to the Imam. You understand? Exactly. Exactly. But let's say there is a person who's been appointed to uh, help the Imam for correction purposes. You understand? Let's say there is only one Hafil. Only one Hafil. And he is going to be the Imam. And he needs help sometimes. He's a human being. Somebody needs to keep a check. Right? So for that purpose, if that person has the Mus'haf open in order to make sure the Imam is reciting correctly, then there is a reason for him to do that. But for the rest of the people, there is no reason except personal, you know, benefit. And remember that the objective of salah is something different. I mean, these days people even have it on their iPhone or iPad. And if you're, if you have it and then you're, somebody messages you or something, how can you focus in salah? حدثنا إبراهيم بن المنذر قال حدثنا أنس بن عياض عن عبيد الله عن نافع عن ابن عمر قال لما قدم المهاجرون الأولون العصبة موضع بقباء he said that when the muhajirun al-awwalun the first muhajirun when they came to usba which is a maldi'un a place biqubain uh, near quba when they first arrived over there qabla maqdam rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wasallam before the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam came to medina kana ya ummuhum salimun who would be the imam of the people Salimun. And who was Salim? Mawla Abi Hudayfa. The freed slave of Abu Hudayfa. وَكَانَ أَكْثَرُهُمْ أَكْثَرَهُمْ قُرْآنًا And he was most knowledgeable of them when it comes to the Qur'an. So this is the reason why, despite the fact that he was Mawla, he was a freed slave, he was the Imam. حَدَّثَنَا Muhammad ibn بَشَّارٍ حَدَّثَنَا يَحْيَى حَدَّثَنَا شُعْبَةُ قَالَ حَدَّثَنِي أَبُوْ التَّيَّاحِ عَنْ أَنَسٍ عَنِ النَّبِيَّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمْ قَالَ اسْمَعُوا وَأَطِيعُوا He said, listen and obey. وَإِنِ اسْتُعْمِلَ حَبَشِيٌ even if a habashi is appointed over you, كَأَنَّ رَأْسَهُ زَبِيبًا And even if that habashi, his head is like that of a raisin, still, if he is your leader, you have to follow him. Now this is with regards to which kind of leader? The person in authority, meaning an amir. So for example, a general, or for example, khalifa. And the Prophet ﷺ said, even if he is habashi, right, meaning from habasha, and in that society, people who were from Habasha were looked down upon due to the difference of the skin color. And this was Jahili, and we see that this kind of Jahili exists today as well. So, uh, just because someone's skin color is different, people are discriminated against. They're looked down upon. So, the Prophet ﷺ made it very clear, regardless of the skin color of the leader, if he is appointed as your leader, you have to follow him. You have to follow him. And even if physically he is very unattractive or, you know, not good to look at, still, if he is your leader, you have to follow him. If you have to follow him with regards to any command that he gives, then of course, if such a person is appointed as the imam, then again you have to follow him. So what does it show? That such a person can also be an imam. You understand? If he can be the khalifa, he can also be the imam. So what do we learn from all of these ahadith over here? That the imam, who can be the imam? What's the one thing that qualifies him? Knowledge of the Qur'an. Doesn't matter his uh, social status, his financial status, his um, background, his ethnicity. Uh, it doesn't matter. Regardless of that, if he knows more Qur'an, he will be followed. And sometimes it happens that people think that if they have to follow an imam who is of a, from a different country, right? Pakistani imam, or uh, African imam, or he's a convert, what does he know? Right? P- people look down on others just because they think that they're better than them. It's unfair and it's rude. It's very disrespectful also. I mean, the criteria that the Prophet ﷺ gave was knowledge of the Qur'an. Not that we start asking people about their money and about their history and about where they're from. Respect the individual and respect him for the Qur'an that he knows. Not anything else. The story of Talut, that how people objected that he doesn't have any money and he's not of you know a great tribe. But still, 
he had what qualified him to be the leader of the people. The leader comes from the people, and the people are of different types, different backgrounds, different status. So anyone who has what will qualify him to be the leader, then he will be taken as the leader. And if, if he can be taken as the leader, then he can also be taken as the imam. Yeah, some scholars said that a child cannot lead fard salah, but he will lead, let's say, nafal. But what we see in this hadith is that he was leading the people in fard salah. So remember that if the child has the ability to fulfill all the conditions of the prayer, right? he understands the matters of tahara, he understands the proper way of performing the salah, then he can be made the imam if he knows more Qur'an. Even even if he has not reached the age of puberty. So for example, there are children who are very mature. Right? They're very mature. And when they're when they're leading the people, they're so focused. I mean, I'm sure you've seen videos of uh, you know, little child who's leading the people in prayer and he's standing so properly like nobody else is. Everybody is moving, either playing with their beard or adjusting their clothes or something, and the child is just focused in the prayer. So he is more deserving of leading the people in prayer. If your child knows how to pray and he's also learned some Quran, um, the best thing is that in, in the house, have them lead the prayer because uh, they will be able to focus more in prayer and they will also make sure that they pray. <laughs> Very important over here that Isma'u wa atiru, listen and obey, regardless of where the leader is from and even if you don't find him physically attractive, still you have to respect him and obey him. And there are many scholars about whom, you know, it is said that physically there were, you know, it was almost difficult to look at them in the eye. But still, they were great scholars of hadith. They were great scholars of hadith because of their knowledge. Right? So a person must be appreciated for the ability that he has. Right? We get lost in the Physical, right? In in the glamour, basically. It's the ability, it's the Qur'an. It also shows us that if we have to ever lead the people in anything, address them or anything, our focus should mostly be on what? Conveying the message properly. Right? But our focus becomes, what am I going to wear? Imagine a slave or a person who's an illegitimate child, but still, there's so much hope for them that it doesn't matter what your background is. Look ahead. Look what you can do. You can also have this opportunity if you learn the Qur'an. For anything, it should be the ability that they have, not their physical appearance or their background. Subhanakallah wa bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.